Welcome to Sip and Spin with Luke and Andy. What's up, everybody? It is time to Sip and Spin again with Luke and Andy. As always, it is I, Andy, and with me I have Monsieur Luke. What's up? Ooh, we're really changing it up this week. I I overcompensated. I like that new intro. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a full overcompensation from saying it the same way twenty times. And yeah, so I, liked I took it. it too far a different direction and no, threw some French in there. A little, it's fresh. It's fresh. fresh. It's a little too fresh. <laughs> I well, I liked it. I liked. Well, it. I liked it. So this week we are. Uh, we're back to tiki's tiki yes. time. It's tiki and we're time, gonna maybe. talk about we're gonna talk about uh, another another classic tiki drink, another mm-hmm. classic tiki uh, godfather. Yes, and we're also gonna talk about some some more exotica music. The really the I guess the godfather of exotica music too, and Martin yeah. Denny, mm-hmm. also the founder of Denny's. <laughs> See, you everything you were saying was spot on accurate, and then you threw in that, and you just he's lost not all so he's not, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I don't think so. Well, I'm sure they're affiliated in some way. I'm sure a Martin Denny song has been played in a Denny's at least once. It's possible. Anything's possible. I mean, it's got you know Denny's is kind of like it's kind of that old school kind of lounge, you know. Yeah. And, Maybe and in Den- Denny's Hawaii. Denny's got that lounge music, so yeah, yeah. he's a lounger. <laughs> lounge daddy, lounge daddy. So we'll uh, we'll pretty much just roll right into the sips. And, yeah, these uh, um, these these tiki episodes are gonna be a little bit different. You know, we sip last, heavy, little, <laughs> sip heavy, history heavy. Yes. Um, and uh you know the last the last episode uh which was our our first tiki episode um really kind of talked about the origins uh of the genre and and uh and you know if you haven't listened to that episode you know i i I highly recommend going back and, and and checking that out if you're listening to this one you must somewhat be interested in in tiki and and stuff so yeah, go back, go back to our first one, because um, we're kind of going chronologically here a little bit in a way. Uh, we talked about Don the Beachcomber last episode, and he's really the, uh, you know, the true originator of of the tiki kind of, uh, you know, genre and culture, and uh, and so, so you know, that's uh, you know, that's now we're gonna move on to to. Uh, a new guy here who was actually really around at the same time, uh, but uh, and and was influential in his own way, but w- was very different than Don, um, and that is uh, handsomer. <laughs> handsome. Did you say? Did you say handsome? Yeah, I said he's handsomer. He's handsomer handsome. than Don. <laughs> he's more <laughs> and uh, yeah, and a rugged, in a rugged, uh, salty. <laughs> Salty semen type of way. Salty semen. There's a, there's a snippet for you. Yeah. That's some, some good alliteration there. <laughs> he, uh, 
Don was a bit of a gomer, so. Gomer. Obviously, anybody's better looking than him. Oh, you 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 cut you cut deep there, my friend. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of Don. I I, uh, I love big what Daddy he Don. did. <laughs> big Daddy Don. I love what he did. It's pretty amazing, you know how you know how he really just kind of you know. There's a lot of things in in cocktail history, uh, as we've talked about in other episodes, that you know just parts of you know you know the origins of things and, and the history of it that kind of gets lost in time and uh but tiki is one of those things where the the origins are are pretty are pretty clear like you know it was yeah. definitely don that, that that kind of you know brought that kind of origin you know where it all originated and you know where he where he got his inspiration and, and how he kind of started everything up and um but uh, yeah, Trader Vic. So uh, Victor Bergeron. Victor Bergeron was born in 1902. Jesus. Uh, that was uh, 118 years ago. 119 years ago. Yeah, it's a long. It's a long time. He's not still alive, is he? Oh God, no, no. He. Uh, I think he died. He. I don't know if he died before or after Don. Sometime in the. Sometime in the eighties, I believe, but he had a. I mean, it's kind of surprising that he lived that long, actually, because um, he was like he had a hell of a like childhood. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Not not even just a childhood, but uh, like he was um, he was sick a lot and as a kid, and uh, he had tuberculosis. He Good had tuber- tuberculosis of the bone, which is what? never even heard of that. Um, His only regret is that he had. Bonitis. Bonitis. <laughs> Bonitis. Uh, oh shit, that's good. Um, yeah, I'd never even heard of that. But he he had uh, he had tuberculosis of the bone, and hmm. um, actually at the age of six had his left leg amputated. No due shit. To, due to the tuberculosis, and uh, yeah, yeah. So he was. I mean, he was really. I mean, there's his. His whole life, it was you know he had one leg. <laughs> That's um, crazy. I and, mean, I, uh, I, I did not know that like a doctor could you know like walk into a, a room and be like, "I'm sorry, the tuberculosis has spread to your bones. <laughs> We're gonna have to start lopping parts off." Jesus. Yeah, I've never heard of that. It's crazy. Um, you know, when you think of tuberculosis, you think of like it's a the lung disease. It's a lung yeah, thing, I, I you mean, know. I imagine, so, you know, I imagine Doc Holliday dying, and I imagine uh, right. Arthur Morgan dying, and I imagine um, Arthur Morgan. Know, a, a lot of other famous cowboys dying, but, but yeah. not bones, not bo- not from bones, not not from amputation, no. no. So, but uh, yeah, he was he was um, that kind of plagued him for for a while, and uh, really up until his. Uh, his early thirties, like he, Jesus, he, it, it would kind of go away and it would come back and, you know, he would have to, you know, go to the hospital and I don't even, I don't, I mean, they didn't take any other limbs off, but, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, eventually like as he got into his thirties, he kind of got to a point where like he had the disease under control and he was kind of able to go more, go out more on his own. Um, and, um, 
and yes, his uh, his father was French Canadian, and his mother was was from the French Pyrenees, and uh, hmm. they were both cooks, and so he learned a lot of a lot about cooking French, in particular French cooking, uh, from them, and um, and at some point as he got older, you know, like I said, you know, in his probably in his early thirties, he. Uh, when he started to get get out more on his own, he he started working at his uncle's uh, saloon and got some got some bartending saloon. experience. Saloon. Um, yeah, so he was working at his uncle's saloon for a while, and I guess his uncle was a dick. And uh, wow, <laughs> I mean, I imagine anybody that owns a saloon is kind of a is kind, kind of a, a prick. Yeah, like bit of a dick. Al Swearingen. Yeah. Oh, you're not familiar with that show, are you? Deadwood? I'm not. That's a good is show. That, does it have Arthur Morgan in it? No. But it's a great it's a great western. It uh it's got Billy the Kid, I think. I think there is actually Doc Holliday's in there. I have been wanting to watch it. Yeah, it's a good show. I mean it's an old show. I, I watched the I mean it's like fucking twenty years old or something. Almost twenty years old, I think. Crazy. Um But yeah, it's, I, I don't know if I actually ever finished it because i think they did well they released like a new movie or something like yeah there was a movie years ago but um but yeah there's a character called al swearingen who owns this saloon and he's he i mean it's a great character um played by um ian mcshane oh yeah uh, but yeah uh so vic's uncle was a dick at least according to to vic um And, uh, you know, he kind of, Vic tried to do some, some different things to kind of, you know, drum up business. And he was kind of like an entertainer. He would, he would do things around the bar and he would, he would practice like, you know, different tricks, like being able to like slide a glass of beer down, down the, you know, down the bar so that the hand, the handle ended up at the uh, per, the person's, the, you know, the customer's hand and <laughs> just right. stuff like that. And like you do, um, you know, like you do. And, um, but eventually he just kind of got tired of his, his uncle's bullshit. And, um, he decided, (laughs) he decided he got, well, he got an $800 loan from his aunt and that was like, that was like (laughs) $45,000. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what the, uh, you know, in, in today's money, what that would be. I don't know. Um, I didn't, I didn't look that up, but, um. It's like a down payment on a mansion, <laughs> a mansion. in 1930. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but he, the funny thing is, is that he opened he opened his place, his bar and restaurant across the street from his uncle's, <laughs> nice. which I thought was kind of funny, uh, kind of a little fuck you. But um, uh, yeah, and he was uh, he and, and so this is like in 1934. So this is like again like same time that that don opened up his you know beachcomber uh, right. bar and uh it's right after it's right after uh prohibition ended and you know coming off the the great depression and so uh you know people were people were poor but they were also thirsty, thirsty. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and they were kind of looking for you know looking for an escape looking for you know something to take them out of the 
depressing humdrum doldrums doldrums there it is same old doldrums dim dim doldrums um and uh yeah and he served like uh affordable but uh but tasty french country food based on a lot of the recipes that he learned from his parents and stuff like that nice, and um nice ratatouille <laughs> ratatouille um and uh and yeah and so eventually at some at a certain point um you know he realized okay look we're in we're coming off the great depression times are tough people are poor uh but people are still coming in they're still coming into his restaurant and and you know drinking his drinks and and eating his food and so it's like okay people don't have a whole lot of money they don't have a lot of you know disposable income but they're still coming in so you know, he wanted to kind of create, uh, in, in an attempt to get even more people in and to keep them coming back, he really wanted to um, create more of an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so he he kind of turned, oh, so the name of his bar was called Hinky Dinks, by the way. Hinky <laughs> which Dinks. Is, which is pretty ridiculous. Hinky um, Dinks in Emeryville, California. <laughs> and... Uh, what do you what do you doing, Jasper? I'm going down to the Hinky Dinks, have myself a nice, tall, cool glass of beer. <laughs> I like the way he slides it down the bar into my hand. And the and and a nice uh, rustic French country meal. Home a style. nice bowl of rat rat tatatouille. <laughs> Heading down to the old Hinky Dink. I like that. It's good. It is good. Wish it's wish a good I had name. A hinky Dinks. Um, that's like a classic. That's a classic, like early twentieth century, yeah, like name yeah. for a bar. It is oh, Hinky Dink. Hinky Dinks. Um. And so, anyways, he turned. Um, he wanted to kind of, you know, give it a little more. Uh, you know, kind of give it a little more of an atmosphere, and 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 so he turned it into kind of like a, like an Alaskan hunting lodge, like. He had like taxidermied animal heads Ooh. and like snowshoes and some and just different kind of artifacts, kind of that kind of had that vibe to it. That's a hell of an idea. That's a, like a complete opposite direction from what we're right? talking about. Right. I know it's weird. Like that's it's weird that he started with that and then, you know, where where he kind of took that, you know, um, but he, but it was successful. Like he, you know, he did he was <clears throat> he did well and. Um, and like I said, he kind of, he, one of the, on top of the kind of the decor and the atmosphere and stuff, uh, he kind of was, he provided some of the entertainment as well. He was, he would like sing and he had like a really, like a really gruff kind of rough voice and he would do card tricks and, and he would like, he would, uh, he would, he's like a storyteller. So he would like tell people that he lost his leg in a shark attack and he would, mm-hmm. He would like, he would have customers like stab him in his wooden leg with, <laughs> with like a That's with like a fork or a knife or something. And uh, I don't know if he would tell them ahead of time, "Hey, I've got a wooden leg," or just he would just say, "Hey, stab me in my leg." <laughs> like, That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, he was he's a character. Um, but uh, so then you know eventually, so now you're talking about it's 1937. So a few few years later. He was kind of uh, he was kind of tiring of that kind of funky rustic decor uh, and and just kind of the vibe of his place and and then 
he he started he he happened across uh, Don the Beachcombers, and he saw like you know long line. I mean, there were long lines out the door for people yeah. to get into Don the Beachcombers. And I mean, so it was really popular and he would, for like a week straight, he would go there every night. And, um, and at one point he even like kind of got Don's ear and like made like a business proposition to him to like open up a string of restaurants with, with Don's name on them, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, expand his kind of like turn it almost into you know like a franchise and and you're talking right. about the you're talking about the mid 30s here that's not something that was in now common. that that sounds like okay yeah sure of course you would do that you have a popular place right. yeah turn it into a turn it into a you know a, a a chain or whatever um right but back then that was you know that was not very common and so yeah, you got to take a horse and buggy across the U.S. to get from one continent, <laughs> right. one end of the continent to the next. I mean, people aren't, you know, words not traveling fast. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. And and so like you know, it was it was you know, it seems like a fairly obvious idea today, but at the time, you know, it was it was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say revolutionary, but it was certainly you know, uh, kind of unique and uh a unique proposal and um but you know don was um i mean don was not the smartest like business man you know like he he was a bit of a gomer he was super creative i mean like he i mean you wouldn't have tiki without him you know Um, yeah and well and then like the whole aesthetic and all that stuff like that sort of stuff he was good he was definitely good business-wise at at, like attracting customers but as far as like big picture future yeah yeah endeavor type thing yeah he was good like he was more he was better i think marketing wise kind of yeah you know and 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 knowing knowing kind of having a good idea of where things would kind of go um you know and and how Mm -hmm how things would change. Um, but also, you know, I mean, and then he was super creative in, in terms of his approach to, to, you know, making cocktails and, and things like that and, and, and how he decorated his establishment. But like, um, but yeah, he just, he, he wasn't, uh, I don't think he was like, you know, the, the smartest, uh, businessman, but, um, but Vic, you know, Vic, Vic was a little more savvy, and he, you know, so savvy? he savvy, savvy, no. and uh, so he, uh, yeah, he, he, he did offer that. He kind of, you know, offered that business proposal to him, and uh, Don didn't bite. He, he kind of, well, and you know, and you can't blame Don because, I mean, his place he was, was successful. Yeah, his place was super popular. Yeah. He had people lining up out the door to get in. And here's some here's some dingus that is yeah. waiting in line every night of the week, and it's like, hey, let's do this, and you know, it's like some some jackass that wants to open up a fast food ratatouille place, <laughs> and and he, and with I think, one leg, <laughs> with one leg, and uh, and also like there were all, all these other people, all these other yeah. bar, bar owners and stuff that were that saw his oh, yeah. success and were trying to capitalize on that and were trying long to kind of, line of suitors <laughs> suitors yeah and um and so yeah anyways he 
he kind of shot shot uh, Vic down, and uh, and at that point, you know, uh, Vic decided, you know, if I can't, uh, well, if I can't join, if I can't join you, I'm gonna try to beat you, and he uh, he he kind of set out on a mission to to kind of transform his his current establishment, and but he did the thing was like at that point he had become you know a pretty a pretty good bartender, a pretty seasoned, you know, he's a pretty seasoned bartender yeah. at that point, but, um, but he didn't really know much about like tropical cocktails or, you know, exotic cocktails or anything like that. Right. And, uh, while, you know, a lot of these other bars were trying to like, you know, poach Don's bartenders or outright right. steal recipes or whatever and this and that, like Vic decided, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at, you know, what he's doing and and the thing and, and the thing and he thought he could do it better. That was the other thing. Like Vic thought I could right. do it better, which I don't. I don't think Vic ever did it better than Don. But um, but yeah, um, he ended up. So one of the, you know what he ended up doing was the the inter- the interesting thing is that when you looked at at Don's uh, cocktail menus, it was really kind of like a roadmap to like where Don got the inspiration for his cocktails. And so, so Vic decided, well, shit, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little trip and I'm going to take a tour of the, the West Indies. And I'm going to, I'm going to school myself on, you know, swizzles and punches and daiquiris. And, and, um, and he, so he, he went with his wife, Esther and he, uh, Esther, 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 grab my leg. We're going on a cruise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bar up the hinky dinks we going on a trip <laughs> oh shit and uh yeah so he ended up going to a lot of these different places and drinking their stuff and you know talking to bartenders and and, and you know just learning a lot of you know about you know the those caribbean cocktails and um he even there was this one place that he was like obsessed with it was like a havana there's a bar in Havana called uh, Bar La Florida, and uh, it was um, it, there was like a daiquiri. Well, so so Don, Don, I think Don's kind of main inspiration was like um, like the Planters Punch. Mm-hmm. If you look at like the basic kind of like the Planters Punch kind of template, that was kind yep. of like where that was kind of Don's uh go to you know that was kind of like where that was like his cocktail that he looked at and and where he kind of he took that template and kind of extrapolated on it um and uh vic was like a huge fan of daiquiris and so he was like obsessed with this one daiquiri at this bar in in havana and he even like asked permission from the the head bartender there to like use some of his the guy's cocktails for his own place you know, in California. And, yeah. uh, so he gets back, him and his wife. And the guy said, the guy said, no. So okay. Vic opens a bar across the street <laughs> in Havana, yeah. making his own daiquiris. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> he's, this guy's got grudges with everybody. <laughs> he doesn't even, he's, 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 he's completely lost his grudge with his, with his uncle because he's so far <laughs> down the rabbit hole at this point. Vic gets back. California and 
he decides he's going to kind of test out these new these new exotic cocktails. And so he opens up <clears throat> he opens up a small section within Hinky Dinks that he calls the Bamboo Room. And mm. um, he offers these exotic cocktails that he kind of, you know, learned about and stuff. And and he created, you know, some of his own as well. And uh, and it went well. It it went over well. And uh, so they ended up turn. They ended up doing a, a complete rebranding. And they went full tiki, and they turned Hinky Dinks into Trader Vic's. And so Trader Vic is a name, a nickname yeah. that he had earned from his penchant for for trading. Trading meals for goods and services and, and stuff like that, and um, and yeah, he. Uh, it's where he. It's where he got some of the shit for the bar too, as I understand it. How's that? I said that's where oh, he yeah, got yeah, some yeah. of the shit for the bar too, as I understand it. Yeah, well, yeah, that and also he, so he hired a bunch of. That was the other thing. He he was more of like a. He was. I don't. I wouldn't want to say a foodie, but he was definitely more interested. He, he thought he could do the tiki kind of uh cuisine better than, mm. than don did and he he like hired like you know chinese cooks and and um and he and he yeah so he did get that you're right he did get uh you know some of his his stuff for the bar and, and stuff you know in trading and and things like that but he also <laughs> i thought this was pretty funny too he also bought eight thousand dollars eight thousand dollars this is back in the day eight thousand dollars worth of south sea artifacts south seas artifacts directly from don beach <laughs> which i think is hilarious that's um, funny because not only did like don shoot his idea down but then he sold him a bunch of his shit yeah for him to like make this successful bar this you know rival successful bar of his own <laughs> you know like, that's funny i think that's pretty funny um but, uh, but yeah, so, <clears throat> sorry, I was scrolling, so you'll have to edit that out. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that's kind of the story of Vic, and it doesn't end there, obviously. Um, and, I, I mean, even if it did end there, you know, like, Vic certainly had his contributions to the, to the tiki genre. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I think... If if he hadn't created the drink that we're going to talk about tonight, yeah, I don't know how much different he would have been than some of the other uh, people that we'll probably talk about in in future episodes that also kind of like, uh, kind of had their own kind of tiki tiki bars and their own kind of tiki yeah. empire at different you know periods. In, you know, yeah. In the Which 50s speaking and of that, sixties, yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, it's funny. One of the things I was going to say is you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, people trying to poach, you know, people away from Don and things mm -hmm. like that. Instead of instead of taking like the number one guy, you know, like the head bartender and trying to poach them, they would people would try and poach like the second best bartender. Right. You know, because they have like that desire to like be the best and they're and they're they're the ones that are like kind of kind of anxious and and have that drive to to really push themselves to you know make these new drinks and and make some of these new cocktails so that was one of the things that i had heard uh that happened a lot with some of these tiki guys is yeah 
the second best guys were kind of floating around out there and getting pulled into their own places and then they were making their own drinks and yeah it's crazy because you know um you know you look at you look at don and you look at vic and and obviously you know don is you know very rightfully so i would say you know the the father of tiki and um and everything but um but yeah i mean oh, i forgot my point but <laughs> but yeah. um but uh, whatever it was i agree with it <laughs> um but yeah i mean so but vic vic did vic was different in a lot of ways i think he kind of started off by trying to kind of copy don's success you know um yeah but he did he did do a lot of things um he i mean he so i mean a couple of different things is like um this is and oddly enough like he he used lemon juice which is like something that you never really see in in any of don's drinks don didn't like lemon juice for whatever in his cocktails um so that was something you know that as simple as that is like that was something that you know vic kind of introduced and <clears throat> i think and he also introduced uh orjat which is a almond kind of a, like an almond syrup with like orange flower water it's delicious um it's so good it's one of yeah one of my favorite kind of tiki tiki staples um that was another thing he kind of brought in which i think that's like a french i think that's a french thing it's like a French kind of syrup. It has origins in, in France. And so that makes sense that, you know, he would know about that because his parents were both, you know, French and yeah. he was familiar with French cooking and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, and the other thing that, that Vic did, so while Don liked to, to blend different rums together for drinks, uh, Vic would combine rum with different spirits or use other spirits entirely. Like Don never really used anything besides rum for the most part. Right. Um, but Vic would do combinations. He was a rum runner. He's a rum runner. That's right. He was. And, and so Vic would take, would combine rum, rum with cognac or gin or, or all three of them together. Or he would just, you know, he did some other, he would did some bourbon cocktails and things like that too. Um, and he also used like things like fortified wines and vermouths and sherries and um, like the fog cutter is a pretty, that's a pretty famous, uh, that's a pretty classic tiki drink that, uh, that I believe has, oh, so the, so the scorpion has cognac. I think the scorpion is like cognac and rum. And then the fog cutter was like, uh, I think the fog cutter is rum, cognac, and gin, and sherry. It's pretty Jesus. crazy. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because I, I put myself back in like, you know, in, in the days where they were kind of both at their peak and living in California. Right. And imagining like these hipster type whatever they had in, in, you know, in 1940 something, um, hipsters, <laughs> beatniks, <laughs> I don't know. Beatniks. Uh, <laughs> that were, that would be like, you know, that would be like, 
Oh man, you go to Trader Vic's. Uh, yeah, screw that place. You know, he uses. Can you believe he uses gin? Like, why would you do that? And then like other, you know, the other side that's like, it's like, you know, why would you want to drink something that's only rum? You know, right. it's like, right. It's it's exactly like the you know the conversations that happen with like craft beer today right. and and yeah and and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's funny to think about like because you know that there were people on both sides. You know that there were people that were like, I'll never go to down the beachcombers because I'm a Trader Vic man because he does X Y and Z. Right. And uh, so it's funny to think about, and it's funny now that it's just like both of them you know are highly regarded and and they both made fantastic drinks. Yeah, yeah, it's it is, and it's just so crazy that all of this was happening, you know, close to a fucking hundred years ago. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just so it's just so wild to think that like everything that we're talking about tonight is like in the thirties. You know, like, um, yeah, and and because I mean, yeah, I mean, people hey. just had not seen this stuff before, huh? I I I wanted to tell you. This yes. is this is really fucking important too. Okay. I, I should have mentioned. I should have mentioned. I should have mentioned it earlier, and I'm disappointed that I didn't. But I saw a werewolf <laughs> drinking a fucking pina colada down to Trader Vic's. Uh, his hair was perfect. His hair was perfect. <laughs> uh, that's so funny because I was thinking about that actually. Because you know I, <laughs> that, that classic classic Warren Zevon track. Um, and, uh, that's always been like one of my favorite. I mean, I love that. I love that song. I, I like Warren Zevon quite a bit. And, uh, I, yeah. me, me and my dad always, for whatever reason, like always get a kick out of that, that line from that track. Oh, it's such a good line. Saw werewolf. It's, it, it, it gives you a perfect mental image. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you know, he's talking about like a werewolf from like the classic 1950s, yes. like universal exactly. monsters. And with the, with the goofy, like perfect, like quaff, like, quaffed hair. Yeah. <laughs> like the fake wig, Pompadour. like slicked back, Pompadour. like teen wolf style hair. Yeah. Yes. Pompadour. Yeah. And, and, and so it's just like an immediate, it's an immediate yeah. image and it's just, uh, he's but outside. A- I, I'll describe it to you and it'll be exactly what you picture. He's outside and he's sitting, you know, he's sitting outside in like uh, in like an outdoor lounge under a thatched roof with a hurricane glass and a in a in a in a pina colada, and he's probably got sunglasses on, and I he's did, just I did sitting there the like sipping. I did picture the sunglasses, but I'm gonna totally, I'm gonna totally ruin. Oh God! Your whole bit by telling you that I always pictured him inside, but inside, still, but still wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I imagine like Warren Zevon walking outside, like on a walk, you know, in in Emeryville, like on a walk down the sidewalk right. and looking over at an outdoor bar and being right. like, "There's, I like your there's story. There's a, there's a, oh shit, now I'm not gonna remember his name. God damn it, the guy that played oh, the wolf Lon, Lon Chaney. Yes, Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney Jr. There's, Lon, oh, there's old Junior. Junior. Junior drinking a drinking a pina colada. <laughs> oh, that's great. Good th- good glad. thing uh good thing uh werewolves aren't aren't uh, hurt by coconut juice. <laughs> it's, this is true. I'm glad you brought hey, that up because hey, I did think about that. His fucking hair was perfect. His hair was perfect. <laughs> Quaff daddy. 
just a quaff big daddy. old just pompadour, it smooth like a helmet, like just like whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> just that, just that James Hampton, just that James Hampton blowout, James fucking Hampton. haircut from. Oh my. Is that his name? <laughs> James or John? I can't remember now. Oh, the act, the actor's name that played the dad of in Teen Wolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think you're right, James Hampton. He's Scott Howard. Right. Scott Howard yeah. is is uh, is the uh, what's his name? You know, Scott, uh, that's um, fucking uh, God damn it! I can't. I'm now I'm blanking on. You really thought that Michael I forgot the name of the character from Teen Wolf? I know. After I, we talked about Teen Wolf for, for three, three hours, yeah, fucking hours. <laughs> I, I think we've talked about this in other episodes, but just so everyone is clear, we talked about Teen Wolf for three <laughs> hours, it's twice. A re- it's, it's a record as long as the movie itself. Yes, it's true. I mean, there's and we a... edited we edited that bitch down. Yeah, we could have talked to about be it for arable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so. I'm glad I'm glad you did bring that up because that was something I thought about like um I yeah and and, and so it's funny because um, I'm going to kind of circle back here and we're going to end up talking about the the cocktail for today but um thank Christ it it's interesting because you know Don was kind of you know the more creative kind of original he was the kind of he was the one that kind of got the ball rolling here yeah and Vic Initially, kind of started as more of a follower, but was arguably a better a better businessman. Um, yeah, and they were both successful. That, that's what's kind of interesting. They kind of had different approaches to things, but they were both you know really successful. And I mean, um, and and like you said, Vic. The big thing about Vic was he didn't just copy. I mean, he took it and he kind of ran with it. You know, yeah. he was like, "You've got a great idea. Yeah, I want to use it, but but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna." put my own spin on it i mean i think he did kind of do some reverse engineering of like don's cocktails oh, you know of course yeah but of course. uh but he did but he he did his homework too you know and and you know learned about stuff and and then kind of brought his own things i've got another uh i've got another monkey wrench to throw in this before you get back to the cocktail <laughs> <laughs> give it to me this is it's 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 far shorter but do you think that do you think that the Simpsons episode with the flaming Moes, where it's like they're trying to like those guys come in and they're trying to figure out the recipe oh, to the flaming yeah. Moe, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that had any? Uh, I don't I don't want to say basis, but any any consideration to like <laughs> to like the whole Don Don Beach Trader Vic thing, where it's like they've got these cocktails and Don's super secretive about his cocktails, yeah. And, and uh and and Vic is obviously like you know trying to emulate them in some way. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really think about that, but it's totally, you know, totally I mean it's yeah, spot on and and you know very directs I mean directly, you know, is you know relates to that and I mean I ask because I assume that that Vic showed up at I I ask because I assume that Vic showed up at Don's with a like a instead of a wooden leg like an empty wooden leg and like poured cocktails <laughs> yeah, into it and right. then like brought them back to his bar and it was like 
drinking them or putting into some like rudimentary 1940s computer where oh my god it's like breaking down the ingredients that's funny uh uh what was i gonna say oh yeah so recipe uh give it to me so it's well it's funny because we're you know talking about don and vic again real quick um while so while don is you know he's the true father of of tiki and everything and, and rightly so um it's 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 interesting because there are no Don the Beachcombers left, like in the world. Nope. You know, like those are it's a completely defunct you know business. Um, but there actually are still Trader Vicks, um, quite a few. Yeah, and uh, and so you know, kind actually, of actually, go ahead. I don't know where you're <laughs> going with that, but did you? Well, I was just going to say. Was, I was just going to say that um, and, and kind of tying it in with what we're going to talk about with the music and, and, you know, with the exotic, with the exotic music and everything like that. Um, you know, our last episode, we talked about uh, Les Baxter and Les Baxter is really the f- real, he was, he, I mean, he was the one like that ritual, of the savage album that he came out with was really the first true kind of exotica album but it was Martin Denny several many you know like 5 years later or so yeah who came out with his album and five of those tracks five of the tracks on Martin Denny's exotica album were covers <laughs> from Les Baxter's Ritual of the Savage so like but he was the one that popularized it you know right and it was you know, th- that album was called Exotica, and that's where the whole genre name comes from. It comes from Martin Denny's album, but he wasn't the one that really, I mean, like I said, almost half the songs were covers of from Les Baxter's, you know, Ritual of the Savage. Yep. And, and, it, and Trader Vic is kind of the same way, where I think if you were to, if you were to just go up to a number of random people and say, Hey, do you know who Trader Vic is? Or do you know what Trader Vic is? Or have you ever heard the term, the name Trader Vic? And then ask them the same about Don the Beachcomber. I bet, I bet, I bet, I would bet a lot of money that more people would be, would know or have heard of Trader Vic as opposed to Don the Beachcomber. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny because, you know, you know, Don did it first, but, uh, but Vic is, you know, I don't know. He's, he's. I mean, his places are, his establishments are still around, <laughs> but still open. Um, still being featured in Melissa McCarthy movies. That's what I was gonna say. Oh, what's that? The whatever movie she just had on Netflix, apparently, like the superhero one. Uh, yeah, really. Apparently, they go into Trader Vic's in, there. Tra- apparently, there's a scene at Trader Vic's. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think that was the movie. It was definitely a Melissa McCarthy movie. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a handful, two, three, four in in the U.S. I know there's one in Georgia, maybe California, two, maybe two in California. There's a, there's a few, and then there's there's quite a few worldwide yeah. actually. Still I, know there, I know there's one in London, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah, kind of going back to the recipe. So this week we're going to talk about. You know, obviously a Trader Vic original um, and probably the most, I would say the most classic tiki cocktail of all time. 
Um, Maybe. And that's the Mai Tai. Yep. The Mai Tai and the Mai. So the Mai Tai was created by Trader Vic in 1944. Um, but interestingly, so while Don, you know, Don had a, a number of his cocktails were very popular and are still, you know, classic cocktails, of course, today. Um, but, uh, but those were like immediately successful. And, but so it's weird because Vic's Mai Tai actually took almost like a decade to really become popular. Um, and, uh, so it wasn't until like the mid fifties. So Trader Vic, so the tra- Trader Vic's was hired to provide drinks to these Hawaiian hotels that were owned by, um, this cruise line, Matson cruise line. And the recipe, so the recipe obviously was a secret, but, um, other hotels started putting, a drink on their menus called the Mai Tai. So they just took the name, but they kind of, they didn't know exactly what right. the recipe was. And so they, right. they just kind of made their own version of it, but you know, more so than the actual drink itself it, it, it and, and its ingredients, it really kind of just became a symbol for like a Hawaiian vacation. And, yeah. and it prompted more restaurants and bars in the U S to kind of go that tiki Polynesian route. And by the sixties, it was like one of the most popular cocktails in America. Um, right. And then there was like a legal battle between Don and Vic about who invented the Mai Tai, which I think is kind of, it's kind of, I I think it's bullshit. I think, I think Don was as much as I like Don, I think, because when you look at it, he didn't really have much of a case. I mean, the the cocktail that he said was like a, a, a like Don's original cocktail that he was saying oh that the mai tai is a an imitation of that mine mine came first blah 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 they're not even anywhere near close and um i think i think don was kind of probably annoyed that he kind of started this whole thing and now yeah. now that the mai tai was like kind of the quintessential had become the quintessential tiki cocktail. Yeah. He thought, well, Trader if Trader Vic establishes gets, you know, establishes himself as the creator of that cocktail, then he will kind of be that Don would be dethroned as the the father of tiki, you know. Right. The god the tiki god. <laughs> and um and I think that's really why Don kind of fought that which I was thinking is kind of shitty, but like, I I don't really think he he truly like, you know, had a case there, and 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 so it it did so it, it like it, uh, I mean it was a true legal battle, and it and Vic ended up winning, and the downside on on Vic I guess on Vic's part was that he had in in, in order to prove that that he was the true like originator of the cocktail he had to kind of he had to reveal the recipe and um so yeah but uh maybe that's why they did it maybe maybe that maybe don was like show your hand man yeah right what is it i guess so i bet i can't imagine like based so the i think the cube it's the don's cocktail 
that he said was the original Mai Tai, I think, was called the QB Cooler. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's only like two ingredients that are the same. And it's like rum and lime, <laughs> lime juice, which that's right. like part of every, almost every, you know, tiki cocktail. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's funny. Cause like by the time all this ended, you know, this legal battle and stuff like that, it was, it was, I think almost like the seventies. And then by that point, people were already getting over tiki anyways. And then I think yeah. the, the pina colada came up came around and that kind of that kind of took over and and yeah. the mai tai was kind of forgotten you know for a while until until kind of the 90s and stuff where you kind of had that that you know cocktail renaissance and yeah people kind of coming back coming back around to tiki but uh yeah it's funny it's funny because of all that though because of the popularity you kind of the mai tai you kind of think of as more of a flavor to some extent than a cocktail, kind of like the pina colada, you know? Right. It's like when I, when somebody says Mai Tai, I think of like either like Mai Tai flavored wine cooler or, or a mix that you can mix with like another alcohol to just make a, uh, a cocktail or like, you know, just a lot of like the super simple, basic, cheap and easy things that exist Right. With that, just that kind of aesthetic, yeah. Um, because it got so popular, it kind of it kind of ingrained itself, and it kind of goes back to like, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Jaws, where it's like, you know, it it permeated the culture so yeah. much, and there was so much imitation and so mm-hmm. much uh, spoof and so much, um, uh, you know, uh, all that stuff that it it uh, for people who are new to it for the first time later on you kind of are like almost turned off where you're like, yeah, I know what that is. I've heard of it. I've seen it. Yeah. But you don't really realize that like the true original recipe, like the reason or the, or the true original movie, the reason it's so spoofed and the reason it's so looked upon is because it's really good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, um, I, a lot of people know, like they think they know what a Mai Tai is like, or, you know, right. They say, Oh yeah, I've had a Mai Tai. Sure. Right. But have you really had a Mai Tai? <laughs> like, you know, like what's, where did you get it? <laughs> like, where did you drink your Mai Tai? Like chances are it's probably some like bastardization, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that probably it's, has like pineapple juice or something in it that nothing. Yeah, pineapple nothing, juice and orange juice yeah. and grenadine and, right. and a little bit of Bacardi and. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's spot on. What I think a lot of people probably have experienced with a Mai Tai but it's not it's not even anywhere close to what the original recipe is. Um and that said, here's the original recipe. Or I guess this is somewhat close. I mean it's pretty close to probably what the original recipe was. Um so I know that when he when Trader Vic originally created the Mai Tai, he the the bottle, the the rum that he used was like a seventeen year old bottle of J Ray and nephew Jamaican rum. Um, it's a funky rum, but aged for seventeen years. So you're talking about you got a lot of you're gonna have a lot of uh, it's gonna that funk is gonna be tempered by a lot of wood, a lot of oak, um, more drying kind of characteristics, um, and so. 
that was something that, you know, he ran out of that room, that particular room, pretty quick. Um, and so now, you know, if you want to make a Mai Tai now, I mean, you that's the fun thing about making, you know, tiki drinks is like, you know, blending different rums together and kind of, you know, you can, like, you, I think you mentioned this in our last episode, you can have the same, you can take the same recipe, keep everything the same, but change the different, change the rums that you use, and it'll be a completely different tasting cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the bet, I mean, the probably the closest thing, the closest combination of rum that you could probably use to get to the, like what what that original flavor profile would have been would be like would probably be like a like a a little bit of like a uh, that pot still Jamaican funk, but also I think a little bit of like a aged rum agricole, um, and all and something with you know some kind of um, you know oak woody and oaky kind of uh, flavors. So yeah. I mean whatever you know you can use a lot of different stuff i i have you know used a lot of different blends of of stuff in in the in in the different mai tais that i've made but um it's two ounces of rum whatever you kind of want to put together there and then a half ounce of uh orange liqueur so you talk like a dry curacao or i like to use creole shrub which is um a rum based uh like a rum agricole based orange liqueur, uh, with like Creole spices and, um, and then you've got a quarter ounce of orgeat, which is your almond syrup. And then a quarter ounce of like, uh, like a demerara syrup, like a demerara sugar syrup, brown sugar syrup. And then you got three quarter ounces of, of lime juice. So it's unlike a lot of like Don's cocktails, like this is actually pretty simple pretty straightforward like you're, yeah you're talking about five ingredients um and so it's not super complicated uh and that was kind of like that's it, very very close to a daiquiri i mean outside of like the 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 curacao it's yeah it's yeah. It's, it's, it's your sweet your sour and your alcohol right yeah it's uh so it's kind of like uh i mean and that's what that's kind of what um i would say a uh a Mai Tai falls, it falls in the kind of the side, the sidecar kind of grouping mm-hmm. of you've got, you know, your base spirit and you've got a liqueur, which is kind of acting as the, as part of the sugar component. And sometimes, you know, sidecars will also have a little bit of an additional kind of syrup. And then you've got your citrus. Um, but yeah, it's a, I mean, it's pretty, Pretty, pretty simple, straightforward drink. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Um, I don't know. I'm just lo- I'm, I'm I'm just like looking at the recipe and like, I mean, the uh, the thing about like Vic. One of the other things that you know differentiated you know Vic from Don was like I think Don or I think Vic's uh, cocktails were simpler, uh, like fewer ingredients. Not just like, I mean, like Don would do, you know, and that, and that's typical of, you know, the tiki, tiki kind of cocktails, but like, you know, he would do multiple types of juices and multiple types of syrups and multiple, you know, rum, rums and different things like that. And, and, um, and I think Vic kind of tried to keep things a little more simple, but, um, yeah, the Mai Tai is a great drink. It's, 
it's one of those drinks that like I it wasn't like when I started getting into tiki cocktails and I don't know about you but like it wasn't immediately like one of my favorites um but it, it's it's grown on me to the point where like it's one of those ones that like I don't know it's classic I, I return to it a lot and and the fun yeah. thing about it is because you have the liqueurs and you have the syrups in there you can swap those out for different liqueurs and different syrups yeah. and you kind of keep that I same mean, I, template, but you can, there's a lot of room to kind of, uh, you know, play around and, and, and make some different riffs and stuff on it. It's funny. I, I, it's funny you say that though, but I, I actually, I originally was like when I had a, a zombie for the first time, I was like, Oh yeah, this is it. And, uh, anymore, I think, I I prefer a mai tai. Like if I'm gonna make one, I'm like I'd rather have a mai tai. It's it's simpler. So the, the thing for me is, I feel like the zombie's got a lot in it. Yeah, it's got a lot of flavors and a lot of pieces that need to go into it. And it's amazing and it tastes really good, but it doesn't quite. The amount of work and the amount of of ingredients doesn't quite live up to the overall flavor at the end. Yeah. Whereas the Mai Tai is much simpler and can end up with just as good yeah. of a, of a depth of flavor, right. if not more yeah. than, than the zombie. And, and it's far easier to make. And, and, um, and, and as we said, because of the, the, the fewer ingredients, you can kind of tune it to different tastes and kind of play around with it a little bit. And, uh, I mean, you can do that with the zombie too, but I feel yeah. like with the Mai Tai, like if you tweak one thing, it's really going to shine through. Whereas if you tweak one thing in the zombie, you may not even quite taste it, you know? Right. And there's so much, I mean, there's like almost, there's double the amount of rum in a zombie. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's... That's the other thing is you don't want to be drinking, you don't want to be drinking zombies on a, on a Wednesday night. Although you do that all the time, you son of a bitch. I just randomly, yeah, you, I really I, like. I'm, I'm surprised a, by. I don't know if you're just, and I'm going to call you out right now. Is what I'm going to do because you can do. That. You always, you're always like fucking drinking zombies. So I, I, call, I do like to I make call, just a random zombie. I call bullshit on that. I think you like zombies more because you always actually. Like, you always tell me you're drinking a zombie. It's funny after you know, like I, I have been. I feel like it's dwindling. Like I feel like I was, I was on a kick. Now you you're know? coming off the zombie. And, I, and I'm kind of coming off of it. It, it. The the one I had last night was really good. Um, but the one before that, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm getting yeah. kind of over it. And right. and last night's was really good, but it wasn't enough to pull me back in. I'm like, now, like today, I was like, I, I, I really want to have a Mai Tai. Yeah. You know, that, that sounds really good. And the last few Mai Tais I've made have been stellar. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's you know, like it's 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 a lot simpler it's a lot quicker to make and and as you said it's half the rum like it's not like i'm not drinking two drinks at once which is ridiculous the flavor profile is completely different i mean it's completely different yeah and you know i mean you've got first of all you got a lot more rum so it's it's gonna be more it's gonna be drier you know because of that yeah like um and then and because really, I mean, when you look at it's funny. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. Though, I mean, the the zombie is. I don't know what it is about the zombie. I don't know why it works. 
as well as it does. Because yeah. it has like fucking four ounces of of rum. But it really has like the same amount. Like if you look at the zombie and you look at the Mai Tai, they have the same amount of like liqueurs and syrups, basically. Yeah. And juices. Yeah. Almost the same. But the zombie has twice as much rum. But it somehow still works. I don't know how it does that. Because I've made I don't know. some drinks sometimes, you know, where I've kind of played around and I'm like, oh my God, that's like too dry. There's not enough sweetness or this and that, whatever, you know. And so it's like, I don't know why the zombie works as well as it does. It's kind of like, it's kind of a mystery, really. Like, I don't know what it is about it. Yeah. Um, but the Mai Tai is great. I mean, the Mai Tai like has half the amount of rum. And it it's great too. It's not it's not too sweet. It's not you know it's it's a nicely balanced you know cocktail. Um, but uh, I remember when I I remember I went to so when I when I the moment I I totally fell in love with tiki drinks. I was at Three Dots and a Dash in Chicago, and this is uh, February of last of last year, right before right before quarantine. And, uh, I had kind of, I had made some tiki cocktails, you know, probably just a handful, uh, prior to that. And, um, I went there and they made, they, I I was in the bamboo room, which is funny. They, they have a little like a smaller kind of room that's called the bamboo room, the bamboo room. And I didn't realize that until this week that that was kind of what Vic called his room initially, uh, at his bar. But, um, I was talking with the bartender there. I mean, it was just me and my wife and we kind of had an early reservation and there was like nobody else in the bar. It was really cool. And, um, and I was talking to the bartender and he was really cool guy. And he, he started, you know, making drinks and stuff like that. And, and, uh, my, I think my wife, I, I ordered a zombie or I ordered like, you know, kind of like the original 1934 or whatever it was kind of version of the, their zombie of the zombie. And, uh, it was fantastic. And my wife got a Mai Tai and the bartender was like, Oh yeah, Mai Tai. That's he's like, that's my favorite, my favorite tiki drink. And I was like, eh, you know, whatever. I think I, I tried it and, you know, I liked it, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the zombie was for me. Um, right. But now I totally get, you know, I, I get, I like, I've kind of come around and I'm like, yeah, the Mai Tai is a fucking, you know, it's a great, it is, it's a great cocktail. And it's just like, it is, it's for whatever reason, it's kind of one of those ones where I was not initially like overly impressed with it, but it's one that I've come yeah. to just absolutely love. And it, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I I love Orjat. You know, Orjat is so good. It's it's got that. Oh yeah. It's it it lends a creaminess and a nuttiness, like a rounded kind of sweetness to to the to the drink. And I don't know. It's it's yeah. It's a and that combined with kind of the the dry orange liqueur. You know, like it's and then the rums and the. I mean, it's oh, it's so good. It's so good. Ah, it's so ah, good. Ah, it's so good. Um. <laughs> But I, I I will forever be grateful. I love Don. I'm more of a Don fan in terms of the tiki drinks. But I will forever be grateful to to Vic for introducing Orjat and the Mai Tai uh, to the to the tiki uh, 
the tiki genre. Yeah. Um, tiki it up. <laughs> I think there, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to talk about before we moved on to the music. Um, I think, well, one of the other interesting things, you know, talking about the differences between Vic and, and Don was that Don was so, Don was so very secretive about all of his shit. And, right. uh, Vic, on the other hand, while I think he tried to keep the, the recipe for the Mai Tai secret for a long time, he eventually had to, because of the, the legal battle, he had to kind of, you know, uh, you know, divulge that recipe um, but then he ended up like releasing several cocktail books in re- with, you know, recipes and stuff like that. And he became much more generous in terms of like, you know, putting, putting his recipes and things like that out into the world for people to, to kind of make on their own. Um, which I think is cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, so that's, that's a little bit about, uh, about Vic and uh i mean vic and don are easily the most you know the two biggest i think contributors you know to the tiki tiki cocktail genre um i know we're going to talk about we're going to do some more episodes in the future um you know and there's some other there's some other people that came in and kind of did their own things you know more in like the 50s and the 60s um, and some of that is, stu- is stuff that I don't even, I haven't done the research on. I'm not super aware of, but I know yeah. that there are some other people, um, you know, that contributed heavily to, to Tiki in the fifties and sixties. And actually, I think that's kind of, you know, the fifties were a, a big, a big period for, for Tiki drinks. Um, oh, yeah. and the whole exotica and Polynesian, the faux Polynesian kind of thing, um, so we'll get in that we'll get into that in, in, in future episodes for sure. Um and uh yeah. I'm I'm excited to kind of continue this series and we'll see how far it takes us, you know. But uh I'll never yeah. I'll never get sick of drinking tiki cocktails, I'll tell you that. I'm gonna ride this wave till we die. <laughs> mm, it's good. Um So the music. The music. Let's talk about the music. Big Daddy Martin Denny. <laughs> uh, I've talked a lot. He's so he's a real he's a real boy, Daddy. Boy, Daddy. Denny. <laughs> I don't know what does that mean. I don't know. It's like it's just like you know you call people boy. Hey, boy, what's up? And you call people Daddy. What's up, Big Daddy? <laughs> it's just like a combination, Boy Daddy. Uh, I like it, but it sounds weird because it's Boy Daddy. It does sound weird. Yeah, so so Martin Denny, um, he uh, he he uh, he grew up. He was he was born in New York, grew up in Los Angeles, and and he started he started learning piano like pretty early, and really took to it. Like he he, I I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's, it sounds like he was kind of a savant. Really, like he was just. At a, at a very young age, was very good at piano. Nice. Um, so he, so that that basically became like that was became his his world like very quickly. Um. So he, uh, you know, his his involvement with the piano and and playing the piano was like a big a big influence on you know, um, 
you know, his music and, and the fact that that's the, his instrument, you know, that's what he played really for the rest of his life. Um, and then the other big influence was, was, uh, he actually went on a tour. Uh, he was in a band, uh, called the Don Dean orchestra yes. and, and they went and, and they toured South America and he was there for like almost five years. Like he was in South America. Um, you know, living in South America and playing in bars and, and venues in South America and, and, and that sound, you know, those, that, 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 that sort of Latin right. feel really kind of permeated its way into his, his songwriting and his music. Yeah. And so that's where he kind of, you know, obviously, you know, Latin America isn't a huge, it's obviously an influence, but it's not. Um, you know, the, one of the main driving influences necessarily, uh, in, in Tiki and Tiki culture. Right. Um, but it's, it's, you know, that, that piece of like, you know, kind of the, the, you know, Dominican, Cuban, Caribbean Island type aesthetic, um, it definitely plays a part. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that like he got all of these, um, he got all of this influence, you know, during this, during this time and, and kind of brought that back with him um you know when he, when he returned uh so he comes back from from South America and he's you know he's got all these weird latin sounds you know running through his brain um and he uh you know he he starts you know working with uh some other people um in Los Angeles where he, he kind of continued to study piano and, and how to write and, and things like that. Um, you know, basically kind of finished up his, his schooling, learning, uh, music. Um, and then actually sometime in the early fifties, old Don <laughs> decides, you know, he's, he's got a bar in, in Hawaii now, right? No longer, no longer the bar. At, per our last episode, no longer the bar in in uh, California, but he's got his bar in in Hawaii, right? Because he had uh, uh, he had had to sign that contract to like, like right, kind of divorce himself from like from his wife and from like kind of the company, and yeah, he couldn't open up uh, like a place of his own in the main on the mainland, so he went to went to Hawaii. Yep. So he, so he, uh, yeah. So he goes to Hawaii, which is, is still not a state yet. Right. And, and he brings over, he decides to bring over, um, Martin as part of the, essentially the house band. Right. Uh, for, um, you know, for his bar for down the beachcombers in Hawaii. And, um, and it was just like a, a a short stint he was supposed to be there for, and he ended up staying on and like making his own band, right. and like as I said, becoming the house band, um, the Shell Bar, the, the Shell, Shell Bar, bar yeah. in the Hawaiian village on Oahu. Yep, Oahu. And so yeah, so so he puts together this band um, with a with a bunch of different guys: Augie, Augie, Arthur Lyman. John Kramer, um, and Arthur Lyman is somebody we might talk about yeah. at some point in the future too. Who is a, also a very famous exotica 
uh, artist in his own right kind of left. Yeah, he left pretty um, early. Denny's on. band. Yeah, and informed his own group and started doing doing some exotica music. So, um, so yeah, he stayed there for quite a while. Uh, you know, making making albums and then uh, eventually they, uh, you know, he, he, well, I shouldn't say making albums, playing the bar, right? And eventually they got approached by, uh, you know, a, an actual label and and you know we want to we want to take your music and and uh, and make some albums and they started making, he started cranking out the Exotica records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their 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 stints at the his stints at the bar were really you know, initially a lot of like cover music, you know, right. they were playing. So that's where kind of the last Baxter came yeah. in as he was taking some of the things like that. Some of this exotic music, um, that had already been created and arranged and was just kind of playing it at the bar. And, uh, and, um, and that's where his, his kind of flair for arranging and composition kind of took over and he would take some of those things and, and like build on them and, and rewrite them for his group. And then, um, and uh and turn them into the kind of their own thing and then they they had some of their own songs and then they played other covers and stuff too right yeah and um i mean the other thing was he was kind of he would kind of i think he kind of had a collection of like kind of strange and you know uh different uh cultural kind of instruments exotic yes. for lack of a better word yep. exotic instruments um yep. and he would kind of you know, build arrangements around them. And, yeah. uh, they actually, one of the, one of the stories with that is they actually had, you know, like the snake charmer flute. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this story. No. Um, but they, so they, they had the, the snake charmer flute, you know, but it, the, the flute only this little recorder looking flute thing only played like five notes. So he had this, the, the, you know, you're very limited in what the melody can be with, with this little, this little flute. So he, they wrote a, um, he, Denny wrote a, a melody, um, using this thing and then they kind of built an arrangement around it. Um, and then, but the, what they also did was they like, they, he built a little, a basket with like a fake snake in it with a, <laughs> and rigged it up with a fishing line so that when they would play, it would kind of come out and. <laughs> And it would dance That's around, funny. and I think he said they had like a cap gun. So like at the end, they would he would shoot the cap gun, and the and the snake would die, and <laughs> you know the, whoever was rigging it would like kind of let it just kind of drop over, and um, so yeah, there was like a whole shtick to it too, just like just like Don and Vic's yeah, you're right. restaurants, very you know, much a whole line with theme that, yeah. to it. It wasn't just them playing music. Yep, it was um, a whole experience, and yeah, that's funny. I, yeah, I hadn't heard that story. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, so they did a lot of that, you know. You know, the band itself was like essentially piano, um, marimba, marimba, which is kind of like a like a xylophone, yeah, a xylophone, right? Yeah, and then uh, a vibraphone or or vibes, which vibes. is like it looks like a xylophone, but it's got like a super cool. I love vibraphone. Oh, it's so it sounds so cool. I'm not even and sure then, what the like, difference you know, between like the the marimba. Like a marimba, a xylophone, and a vibraphone. I don't even know what the differences would, would sound like. So I, I don't know what the difference between a marimba and a xylophone is. To me, they sound the same. It's like, you know, think about like the 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 ribs, 
you know, like the old cartoons where it's like they're playing <laughs> right. on the skeleton ribs. Yeah. It's like, diddly, 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 it's got like a kind of staccato sound, you know, like ding, 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 like that kind of thing. The vibraphone is like that thing that you hear that's like, it's got like a very ambient sound where it's like, or like an echo, like, kind of like a reverb. It almost sounds like a, it almost sounds like a, like an electric organ or hmm. something. It's got like a, yeah, it's very reverby and echoey and, and it's got like a, very full sound yeah. um but it's still a it's still a mallet driven mm. um you know sort of instrument and so they had those and then obviously like they had a big um a big percussion section with like bongos and congas and they also had a, a, a drummer i think um and then you know good old martin's playing the piano right. for the most part um they did some uh so yeah that's i think they did some stand up kind of like bass too yeah there's some yeah yeah, stand-up bass um Mm -hmm. yeah there's a cool story so you know i don't even know if we mentioned but the album we're talking about uh that we're going to talk about uh, in this episode is is called quiet village um which was released in 1959 i think is that right 59 yep Mm -hmm. so uh so uh danny's first album was called Exotica, and that's that's really kind of you know that was like the album that you know that was that was the album that popularized Exotica music. That's why Exotica music is called Exotica because of the name of that album. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, we talked about that earlier. We did we decided not to do that classic album because so many of the songs, almost half the songs, were covers of the last album we talked about for our exotica right. section, which was Les Baxter's ritual of the savage. Um, by, by five different covers, you just mean it was, it was, it was basically five different arrangements of jungle July. <laughs> I wish, um, I wish too, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, quiet village is, is widely considered like the, just the, the, uh, most classic kind of what'd you say yeah the pinnacle yeah i mean it's the it's the most classic like exotica track the most covered like um it just has it it just kind of checks off all the boxes you know um and uh so we decided to do the quiet village album which you know quiet village is on i think it's on exotica it's on his Mm -hmm. his debut exotica album but um it's here again and this is that that's the title of this this whole album but um there's only one Les baxter cover on on the quiet village album and that's coronation um which is mm-hmm. that's on ritual of the savage as well um but uh one of the things that you know we would we haven't really talked too much about the differences between kind of denny and and baxter um, but you know, Baxter was more kind of classical orchestration, uh, yep. very lush, full, you know, big band, um, lots of, yeah, definitely got a big band sound, lots of layers, lots of, you know, instrumentation. Um, and for the most part, you know, Danny's a little more stripped down, uh, yeah, more, got more of a chill kind of lounge, lounge music kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, 
and I like both, you know, uh, I like both kind of sounds, but, um, uh, it, 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 there's an interesting story about their playing and Danny becomes aware of bullfrogs croaking in, in the background and the croaking kind of blends in with the music that they're playing. And then when the band stopped playing, the frog stopped. And at first he thought it was kind of a coincidence. And then again, he he tried the tune again later and the same thing happened. And then, and then the band, the other band members started doing these like tropical bird calls as a, just kind of like as a gag. And, uh, they just kind of did it as a, you know, joke. And, and the next day, it's a a good laugh just to have a good laugh. And, uh, (laughs) And uh, the next day, someone approached Denny and asked if they would do the arrangement with the birds and the frogs again. And so he agreed, and and uh, they had the band do Quiet Village with you know them doing the bird calls spaced apart, and and Denny did the frog the frog part on like a, a grooved uh, grooved cylinder, and uh, and then they so they ended up that's how they ended up incorporating those kind of sounds into what you hear in, in, you know, in his version of Quiet Village. Cause in Les Baxter's version of Quiet Village, you don't have that. You don't have those no. bird calls and like the frogs and stuff like that. And so like, it just was just a total like, you know, coincidence that like this happened. It initially kind of was like a joke and then people were like, Oh, they liked that. And so then they started incorporating yeah. those those sounds but in a way that like was through like band members doing bird calls themselves or became a whole instruments thing. like mimicking the sound of of frogs croaking they didn't actually use like like a bullfrog croak sound effect or bird sound effects they actually like right. used instruments to reproduce those sounds and had different yeah. band members do the do the bird calls and things like that and so that's one of the things that kind of sets you know martin denny's music apart from you know uh less baxter stuff too and not not to like we mentioned it was it's more chill it's more stripped down musically yeah but it's also has the added kind of bird calls and 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 frog croaks and and different things like that which is kind of cool um the monkeys the monkeys yeah the monkeys yep that's that's another thing too. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of mostly what I had to talk about with 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 uh, Danny and in this particular album, Quiet Village. Danny. Um, was there anything else you wanted to kind of to, to uh, talk about? Not for the album overall necessarily. No, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, this is a good album. I, I, I don't know. I'd have to look like, listen to it like back to back with, with Exotica. Um, but, but I, I, there's a, there's a number of tracks on here. And the other thing that, um, the other thing that Denny did, uh, with, with a lot of his albums is, um, he would do a lot of, um, kind of Oriental kind of, uh, sounding uh tracks yeah um there, there's a good mix of that on this album 
uh, yeah, like sock. A little bit of Saki rock. rock is Saki Rock is a pretty interesting track. It's pretty. It's good. kind of got like this. It's got got this kind of classic pop rock structure to it. Yes, with like a full drum kind I've, of I've, sound like, and like a fifties yeah, doo wop. Yeah, rock. it's kind of interesting. Um, but then it's got like the marimba yeah. playing like a little xylophone. It's got like type sound action over the top, like cla- like the like the clap clapping hands and like the more of like a full drum kind of sound and, and, and beat to it. And yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of more modern, uh, yeah. in it's composition. It's just kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it's a little gong action. It's, it's kind of a fun up tempo, you know, track. Um, yeah, I typically don't like a lot, like more of like the Oriental kind of sounding, uh, tracks that, that, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. just more, I'm more into the kind of like, uh, tropical kind of, you know, chill kind of mood and vibe. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there, yeah, there's a good mix of both on on this on this album. Stranger in Paradise is a good song. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple of tracks on here that have uh, Stranger in Paradise is one of them that have. Um, uh, they definitely have more of like a jazz kind of sound to them almost like a fuller yeah. a fuller jazz band kind of sound to them um yeah and and Strang- stranger in paradise is kind of cool because it's a it's a fusion of it does kind of have some of those oriental sounds and instrumentation but it also kind of has like a more f- kind of classic jazz lounge kind of vibe to it but it's also got the yeah. exotic bird calls and xylophone and yeah. marimba and stuff like that so it's got a, it's kind of got everything in there um which yeah. is kind of cool yeah, Stranger in Paradise is kind of like an overview of yeah. everything you're gonna get yep. in the in the rest of the album. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's that that's the opening track, so that's kind of cool. Um, I really like Martinique. Martinique's that's a really good, good one. Yeah, I like that one too. That's like um, classic. It's very classic, exotic. Yeah, it's got a good, good, you know, kind of dancey rhythm, kind of like a sway feel at the beginning, and it's got the monkey yep. calls. Um, it, the marimba in this and kind of the, kind of the tune to it actually reminds me of, uh, be prepared from the Lion King. <laughs> That's cool. It's got kind of like that sound. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like the, it's a, I don't want to say it's darker, but it's got more of like a, I don't know if it's in a minor key or something, but it's got more of a, uh, and, uh, it's got more of a, um, like a boat or a little more foreboding, foreboding well, type sound. Maybe, maybe it's that, uh, it's kind of got like songs. a steady bass, bass line, I think. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah, that's where that's kind of, that kind of comes from that, that darker kind of sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a cool one. And that one's, that, that's kind of got that, uh, it's kind of, it's more, it's on the, it's kind of chill. It's got that dreamy kind of, yeah. kind of feel to it. Um, yeah. Martinique's cool. Uh, Paradise Found is another good one. That's kind of like, that's a that's a really good one. That one's like floating on yeah, a raft. Yeah, yeah. That, that one's, one's like tr- like one of the things we kind of talked about, but like Tiki got like a resurgence, you know, like in the '90s with like, like I always picture like '90s movies with like guys wearing tiki shirts and like you know weird exotica music playing like off and on. Like I feel like Quentin Tarantino probably yeah. had exotica like in yeah some of his movies 
Um, but that's what I picture is like a nineties, like a more modern esque, like guy in a tiki shirt or something like floating in a raft, like drinking a tiki drink. Um, you know, it's, it's got that kind of more polished modern sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, you know, I, I love, you know, ritual of the savage and I love that, that big old school kind of old Hollywood kind of orchestral, you know, kind of sound. Um, but I do really like, you know, like tracks like Paradise Found and Martinique are, I, that, that's actually music that I would prefer to kind of have like on in the background if I'm just like sitting and chilling and having a tiki drink and maybe, you know, talking with some people. Yeah. Like that's actually like the perfect kind of soundtrack to that yeah. kind of, you know, scenario more so than, even though I, I love, everything that is going on in, in a lot of like, you know, less Baxter stuff and it's richer and, and fuller. I think like in terms of like, if you, if you're having people over for like party or something and you know, you're having yeah. some drinks and you're just trying in terms of more of a relaxing music, I like, I like stuff like that. I like, I, I probably like stuff yeah. like that more. Um, like paradise yeah. found Martinique stranger in paradise. I, that's like, right. You know, Tune from Rangoon. Tune from Rangoon. Quiet Village, obviously. Um, so yeah, there's uh yeah, it's a it's a good little album. Uh it's crazy how many Yeah, if you're Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, if you're curious about what the what the vibe vibraphone sounds like, Tune from Rangoon is the one to okay. go to. Yeah, it's funny because you think Tune from Rangoon, you'd think that would be a very one of the like one of the more kind of yeah. oriental kind of sounding tracks, but it's not. Kind of like Firecracker yeah. or Saki yeah. Rock, but yeah. it's not. Not it's much it's very chill. Yeah, yeah that's a good one too. Um But uh yeah. I loves me some exotica. It's good stuff. Still haven't still haven't gotten tired so, of it. Um and yeah, there's I definitely, you know, for our next episode, um, not really sure where we're gonna go, uh, in terms of, you know, cocktails, cocktails cocktail history, uh, and music, but uh, I definitely wanna kind of branch out and, and find some new some different artists. I know you talked about Arthur Lyman. Um that yeah. might be somebody that we kind of focus on uh for a future episode. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's some Martin Denny for you. It's a little Trader Vic action. Trader Mai Vic. Tai. Mai Tai. Yeah, good stuff. A little bit of that Orjah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh. Give me that nut syrup. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that kind of, that kind of wraps up our, uh, our second episode on tiki and exotica music always always a a fun little fun little chat lots of interesting history um i'm looking forward to to doing another one here you know uh, in another month or so uh i think we'll probably just kind of keep keep doing that until we run out of shit (laughs) um yeah but uh what are we uh yeah what are we talking about next week Another synth artist, Time Cop 1983. Oh, yeah. 
That's a good one. It's good stuff. Journeys. Journeys, yeah the 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 uh, the initial their, initial their debut right? release. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about that. And uh, I've got I've got a cocktail. It's classic. Got a cocktail in mind for that one. Uh, so we'll uh, have to come come back and check it out to see what that is. Um, so yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Sip and Spin with Luke and Andy. Cheers. <laughs>